I'm Katie Holden, and you're listening to Our Idol Archives. I'm joined on the podcast by my dad, Mark Holden, and each episode, we are going to interview a contestant from Australian Idol to reminisce and see what they've been up to since the show finished. This week on the show, we chatted with Axel Whitehead, who had a short stint on season one of Australian Idol, but then went on to have a huge hosting career on video hits. You may know Axel today from his roles on Home and Away, Neighbours, and the US hit show Shameless. We talk about trying to make it in LA, and the moment the phone stopped ringing after the infamous incident at the Arias in 2006. You were interested in doing a tour. What do you mean, get out there and do some music? Yeah, well, I'd been I'd been riding with a buddy of mine in Sydney, Carl Demetaga, um, who's a great guitarist, great songwriter, great uh, great engineer, <clears throat> and he and I uh, had been working on this kind of rockabilly, kind of old bluesy, um, sort of swing country kind of thing. And we flicked it over to Nashville, and they're really interested to to hear some more. So I wanted to go over and maybe do a bit of writing at some point. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, we were putting a oh, – this was last year. I was going to go out with a guy called um, James Van oh, – shit, what's his name? We were going to go and do a tour together and then my back shot out again so I couldn't. Um, but, yeah, I haven't been sort of – as far as music's going, I haven't really been playing a hell of a lot. When I got back to Melbourne, I hooked up with my old jazz family down here and – Played a few shows and that was great to to you know right. check the boards and 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 to, and that's that's really where a big part of my heart is as far as my music and you know when I left school I went to the VCA the College of the Arts and studied there and didn't complete the course I was a bit young and wanted to go out and do stupid things um, <laughs> but when every when I sort of take like if I go and do a bit of TV or go and do a bit of acting. Um, when I when I when I do miss music, to come back to jazz is just like coming home, you know. And uh, I've got yeah. some. I've got, you know, Melbourne has some of the best. I mean, Australia's got a, a great jazz scene, and there's some incredible players down here. I, I'm really close with a family called the Sedigren. Yeah, Bob Sedigren, Steve Sedigren, Mal Sedigren, and then there's just heaps of great players. Andy Swan. There's David Jones, Mike Jordan. Have you got any? Have you got any footage of? Have you got any uh, recordings of that? Uh, we did a corporate gig with James Morrison the other day. I think someone um, ah. might have recorded some of that. Um, I don't don't know if I do actually. Um, I never sort of throw up a camera, um, but I could probably find something somewhere. Yeah, no, try try and find something. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to check it out. Okay, we, want, we, want, we want to hear about uh, uh, your idol experience. We want to take you all yeah, the way sorry, back to cool. the start. Okay, good. No, 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 no. It's, 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 wide, it's, it's wide ranging, but, but we do want to hear about your, your idol experience and your post-idol experience. Mm-hmm. How old were you when, you when you got on the show? Were you young? I feel like you are a baby uh, now. I was, I was 23, I think. Wow. And I had, uh, <clears throat> I had finished... Well, I, I went to music, the College of the Arts for probably two years and, um, yeah, I just kind of didn't dig the discipline at the time and there was a couple of older players that pulled me out of there and said, hey, man, come come and tour with us and we'll teach you more on the bandstand. And, and I was learning more playing and doing it live than I was, you know, school's never really been for me. I'm not, I'm not a big academic. Um, and so, anyway, I, I, I'd, um, I'd just come back from China and Hong Kong playing with a band over there, we were playing a bizarre 
tour in this kind of Disney world. It was such a weird gig. Check this out. There was um, <clears throat> there, there was a band going over to China and the singer pulled out. I knew the, I knew the guitarist <clears throat> and um, they said, hey, the, you know, quick, the singer's pulled out, get your visa together. And in two weeks' time, I was on a plane to China, never played with these guys. And we're all on a bus and I thought it was some hotel gig or, or some sort of corporate thing. And we arrive at this place, um, which is like, it was just over the border in Shenzhen from Hong Kong. And uh, it was like this kind of bad Disney World kind <laughs> of theme park. And we arrive, I'm like, what's going on here, guys? And we arrive and they were like, you're the American country band. And we're like, no, we're, we're like a jazz band. We're a blues band from Australia. And they're like, oh, okay, well, and they took our bags and then they took us off to the sort of this this theme park, uh, this, this place of the park that was like country and western, handed mm. us checkered shirts, checkered shirts and country hats, set us up there and said, oh play. I was you like, were like, what, what are we doing? Going on? <laughs> it was so bizarre. So, so bizarre. So here we, like, here we are dressed as cowboys, playing blues, and people are kind of take walking past, <laughs> can't understand a word we're singing. And then we kind of did that and a bunch of other gigs for three months. Then they moved us to like the front of the park. And uh, then I, I learned a song in Chinese, actually, which was like their version of Johnny Farnham's You're the Voice or something, like the hit. The hit <laughs> yeah, in Chinese. everybody loved it. And, and so, so every set we'd finish with this Chinese song and then like hundreds of people would be walking past and having a bit of a listen and, and, and walking around. Then I'd sing this song and the whole park would stop and just go, what is this white guy doing singing <laughs> And like this. And, uh, yeah, and anyway, that was a trip. And I literally just got off the plane and, and, and a friend of mine had seen, um, had just come back from the UK and he had seen the Idol, uh, the, I think it was the first season of the UK Idol. And he said, hey, man, you've you got to come along and audition for this thing. And um, I, I sort of had no idea really what he was talking about. He was a guy that that I went to school with. I loved him, um, but I didn't really trust his read on things. He's a little bit loose. And um, <clears throat> we uh, we went out that night and we I think we had pretty much pulled an all-nighter. Um, and uh, we you go, oh, we've got, you know, it's like five or six, man. We need to get to the tennis centre in Melbourne. So we leave the club and I think um, – and then we had a big cask of wine and a bag of goodies with us. <laughs> And then we arrive at uh, we arrive at uh, at the line at tennis at the tennis stand. There's people with signs and bear suits and dressed up and cameras. I'm like, yeah. dude, what the fuck is this? I'm like, I've studied at the VCA. I've travelled the world. I dare I shoot to this level? He was like, man, trust me, trust me. So I didn't understand what was going on. So we get out of the car and then we wait in this line. And there was three of us there. And so we were, we were kind of like doing tag teams of going back to the car and chugging a bit of wine and smoking a joint or something and then you know and then After going back waiting at all. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then we wait in the line and wait in the line. And I think Andrew G and the cameras uh come up and I was just like, what is going on? Like I, I don't I I'd <clears throat> I'd done Good Morning Australia singing on that a few times because that mm. was shot in Melbourne with Bert Newton, but that was my only T V experience. And um <clears throat> And so I didn't know. Which really was know. a good experience. That, I mean, right. the, the, the GMI was an incredible experience, really. Wasn't it, wasn't it great? I saw some of yeah. that somewhere online the other day. And I, I did the last show with Bert and I was unpacking my house and I've still kept this bottle of champagne they gave all the regulars. 
and uh, all the all the crew of of the last. It was on my birthday, sixteenth December, like two thousand. Uh, what was it, two thousand and four or something when the show finished? Um, yeah, so that was that. Had, I, I was kind of. Uh, after I after Idol, I became a, like the music reviewer and kind of did a weekly thing with Bert for a couple of years, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, then what so a great day, experience. Oh, it was a trip. It was a trip. What what a showman! I mean, Bert Newton. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. Uh, I, I after I'll, I'll come back to the Idol story, but after Idol and when I started working for Channel Ten and. Um, I would fly down to Melbourne every week and, and do the music reviewing, uh, like review an album, review a movie, and and do that with Bert. And um, and I, I always kind of wanted his approval. And I thought the more, because he was so, you know, just such the professional and such this charm and sort of cheeky wit. But I'd try and poke the bear and try and have jokes with him and and you know throw him things on, on air. And so and we we sort of started this good banter because we would kind of go off script and and. Uh, but then, but then, in between ad breaks, he would just kind of walk off set. No one had seen him. He'd just disappear into this kind of shell, and then come out with his beautiful hair. Amazing, isn't it? It's crazy, huh? I mean, you it's must like method. No, oh no, I, I did the same thing, and and it was the same. You 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 didn't do anything with him except on air. He wanted Completely. he wanted to burn he wanted to burn the energy on air and preserve it for the rest of the time. And it was the same with uh, Kennedy. I used to do uh, the, the, the whatever that show, Blankety Blanks with Kennedy. Yeah. And, 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 Graham, and Graham had no interaction with anybody. Is that right? He, he, whereas, whereas Don Lane and Ernie Sigley and those other guys, you know, you'd go afterwards and you'd have a drink with them and you'd sit in their room and have a drink with them and a yarn and kick on a bit. Uh, you know, uh, I... I think Bert did his drinking in the um, in those moments you're talking about between. The, I think he was running. Off, I think he might have been running off set to knock back a couple of beers. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. But that's that's interesting. I mean, that's that's a true professional. Is is um, something that I, I learned over the years as well. Is saving your energy for for go time. Don't don't yep. be red light time. All. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a really good point. I never thought of that because I'd I'd want to I'd want to sit there and I was young and I wanted to impress him and I wanted to connect to him and I'd be like, "Where's he going?" You know, and then he'd come back and no words and then the cameras come up and we're best buddies again. I'm like, oh, there you are. I can yeah. get you. I can feel you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's you're exactly right. You're exactly right. I mean, that's um, I remember my it's first, his version uh, of method. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It was. Um, I remember the first one of my first days on Home and Away. I got a gig on Home and Away for a few years, and I uh, the first sort of couple of apps was like a tester to see if I could if I could do it. I got like a fifteen a fifteen episode contract, and um, I had this scene where I'd broken out of rehab and I was on drugs and I was about to jump off a roof. And uh, the acting coach at the time was very sort of into method and staying in character, and and you know, and so for the whole day I kind of got myself in this state of like chewing my jaw and just like crazy and getting my adrenaline going. And I, instead of pacing myself and waiting for action, I spent the whole mm. day in that state. And I actually threw my yeah. jaw out. I had to go to a chiropractor <laughs> and threw my jaw out because I'd been <laughs> chewing so badly. Um, and I learned, did it work ah, for the scene? It did. It was great. I got oh, lots it. of props and it, it worked really well. It looked great. And um and but man it was costing but that that was that was the day i learned ah pace pace your energy yes don't uh, <laughs> don't blow it yeah 
There's so much to unpack in in, in in this, but but let's stick to the idle stuff and then we can unpack all the rest of that, the acting cool. and all that, because I want to hear about all of that. Cool. Um, so then you so, did the audition. Uh, so I did the audition and then they go, hey, you, you, you're coming up to Sydney. I was like, what do you mean? And they said, yeah, we're going to fly you up and, and we'll put you in a hotel and you're going to be on TV. And I was like, ah, okay, that's that's cool. I've never been to Sydney and um, never never sort of got my own hotel and, so you'd been to China, but you hadn't been to Sydney. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. I just flown. I just flown. Uh, actually, I think I went when I was about six to go and see Cats the musical, and all I remember is sitting in the hotel, going up and down the elevators. That was the best thing of the whole trip. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, so instead of flying, this friend of mine who got me to audition, he and I drove up to idol and we, we we went in his car and i mean it was all about you know getting drunk and taking drugs and and mucking around and we're sort of in that phase of our lives you know and yeah. so we were kind of having a bit of a party on the way up and then at like um 11 o'clock because we we decided to drive overnight we had to be in um i think we had to be there at like 10 a.m on monday morning or something and they wanted to fly us up on saturday so we could kind of go up so i could go up and uh and you know acclimatize and then we'd start shooting on the on the on the monday but we decided to drive sort of on the sunday arvo and we got like just out of aubrey and the fucking gearbox exploded in the car and we're like oh what's going on here and so we 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 wrestled with insurance and we got the racv out and then we couldn't get a rental and and we're like, we need to get to Sydney by 10 o'clock. And uh, somehow I think that we got a lift to like, um, uh, what's further, like, like Yass, or, Yass or somewhere and like three or four hours out of Melbourne. And then we sat, managed to get a rental at like five or six in the morning and then just hightailed it for, for the studios or where I think it was in the continental in the city or something somewhere or other. Anyway, we hightailed it, got through peak hour and literally at 10 a.m. jumped out the door and went, ta-da, we're here. And, wow! Uh, yeah, it was it was such an experience, and it was like oh, okay, cool. So, and then and then I was you know I'd I'd been playing professionally for probably four years, I suppose four or five years, and um, I kind of you know I, I had this vibe. Everyone was so excited; they knew what it was, and it was it was like I'd been to boarding school, and I'd sort of been around that. Um, hey, everyone in in it together, and we live and breathe together, and we're we're all on this sort of great big trip. I'd kind of done that at boarding school, I felt. And when I sort of got there, I I was kind of like, ah, oh, man, I, I can't really get into this sort of whole let's go, get up. Yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. So I was kind of just sitting back and um, and hanging out. And um, But I, I was, uh, you know, I met a couple of cool cats. Me and um, I met Shannon Knoll. I think he was one of the first guys because we were both from the country and, and so we connected about that and he and I got on really well. Mm. And um, you would have been sharing drugs. We were sharing. Well, he <laughs> well, I can't actually. I won't you want a pill, mate? <laughs> this is my, I do this, I do this in, every, in every show. This is my Shannon Noll impersonation. You want a pill, mate? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well, if, if that's common knowledge, then I'm not saying it. Is. <laughs> oh, dear. He, uh, he, he, can, he can stay up with the best of them, Shan. <laughs> anyway, what, but, I mean, he, uh, he just, he was, he just has, he's got a heart of gold, that guy. Jeez, he was just a beautiful spirit, there for anyone, would bloody give you the shirt off his back. 
Um, and and was just at a really tricky time. He'd lost his old man. You know, the farm wasn't going mm, well. Yeah. Um, he really needed that, and and it paid off in spades. So that was a beautiful yeah. story. That was, a, and and bloody, he deserves it too. You know. And 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 what was your experience going through it and to the other side? What happened uh, when you what happened when you left? And and what give us that story? Yeah, well, I um I remember during it, um, people were like. Oh, we, we really like what you're doing. And then and then Guy came along and he was singing his ass and was like, ooh, watch this guy. He's he's got yeah. the chops. Um and uh, I think I felt I was a little bit like, oh, okay, we've got some competition here. And I felt a little bit <laughs> of healthy kind of, okay, okay, what do you got, pal? And uh and then <laughs> and I got booted. And uh, and then I, I got I brought brought back for the wild card round and um, yeah I, I had a really bad song choice I believe it was uh, I sung yesterday's or yesterday the Beatles tune and um, uh, it was between me and Kelly Cavuoto the rock chick and she mm-hmm. got through and then um, and then I kind of went okay cool back to the drawing board and and time to go and start playing gigs again and see if I can kind of cash in a little bit on this publicity that I'd got and. You know, I started to book a few more gigs and I think got on a couple of little festivals. And and then I got an agent and Channel 9 had a new music show that was going um, called So Fresh, I think it was. And I yeah. put a tape down for that and they, I think I, I think I got the gig and then the show didn't go ahead. Um, actually, just track back a little bit. When I was on the wild card round, um, we were all sitting on the couch and – it was between – it was throwing to a break. There was, say, six of us on the couch. There was James Matheson and Andrew G. And they said, hey um, – uh, Andrew said, hey, do you want to throw to the break? And this was the first time I'd ever spoken into a camera. And I, and I looked at the auto cue and I, I'm, I've got bad dyslexia and I, and I see sparkles and colours everywhere. So I can't – like reading is quite tricky for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I looked in the auto queue and I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to read that. And so I just sort of made something up. I was like, hey, guys, I hope you have a great time at home. We've got a whole lot more coming back. You know, don't go anywhere. Enjoy the show. And I kind of looked deep down the lens and I went, okay, that's what I've got to connect to. And it just sort of was an instinct. And Andrew turned around and went, hey, man, that was really cool. That's and awesome. Went, okay, great. And then, and then I remember I took that into – then I didn't get the so, – oh, the So Fresh show didn't come up. And then Channel 10 contacted and said – hey, we've got this music show called Video Hits and it's been running for 10 or 15 years, but we've never had hosts. So we want to um, we want to check you out for that. And I, I used that sort of same thing. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know how to, how to host a show or what to do. But if I look into the camera and you see the lens and the iris there and you look deep, deep, deep in there, that's what you're connecting to. That's what, mm. that, that's the heart that you're trying to speak to. So I just sort of tried to do that and, um, and it seemed to work, and they booked me for the job, and 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 then they they also got Kelly Cavuoto, the rock chick. Uh, she um, she got the gig too. So her and I sort of started hosting a TV show, and I'd um, I'd never never hosted a show, never interviewed anyone. And they said when I got the gig, they go right, you're in Melbourne, so you've got to move to Sydney in two weeks. You've got to interview the Black Eyed Peas and the Dandy Warhol. <laughs> And host the show, and I was like, "Man, I don't know. I knew, I knew the Black Eyed Peas from the hip hop days. Yeah. Um, Danny Warhol was never heard of him. And I went, "Holy shit!" So jumped on the plane, flew this time, didn't drive. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we took a few and lessons, and we it. Of, yeah, yeah, it was great. And then we got we got put up in the Star City 
for a month while I was finding a house. Oh, Star like, City, doesn't it? Star City, well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he does. No, just this is this is just not from just gambling, okay. just from uh, a music. Yeah. Did they put him up there for a couple of months? Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah, it's a good hang. I did shout the musical at the lyric up there. Uh, yeah, and no, it was great. I loved it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's yeah. a good time. Um, so, yeah, and I, I just remember the, the first interview, uh, interviewing the Black Eyed Peas, all I knew about was jazz and a bit of hip hop. So I was kind of going, so you've got some interesting chord progressions in, in your, you know, in this track and, you know, and, and, and just sort of all I knew was jazz. So I just started peppering them with jazz questions. They were like, yeah, yeah. we get it, man. You like jazz. Cool. What else you got? And I, I had no idea how to go. Okay, so he, here's the latest album. Here's the latest tour. You know, here's who you're shagging, um, and all the sort of top fifty questions. You know that that you had to do for a show like that. Um, but yeah, it was that was I, I had such a blast on video here. So it was it was an incredible gig. We we flew around the world a bunch of times. You know, interviewed Pharrell Williams, Justin Timberlake, oh, wow. Beyonce, Oasis. Duran Duran, um, it was a trip. It was, you know, I, I, he was a guy who'd grown up in the country and was singing jazz clubs, you know, in Melbourne and then all of a sudden hosting a national show and it was it turned out to be the number one rating, uh, mu- number one music show um, as far as ratings go. And Kelly Cavioto, she left. She It wasn't quite her thing, so she left and I did it for by myself for a couple of years and, it was great. It was it was a blast, and I and I learned so much. I, I, it was an interesting challenge or an interesting sort of progression for me because I um my ego was getting in the way when I mm. first started, and my ego as I I know the theory of music. I I'm I'm a studied musician and all this sort of stuff. And then you've got yeah, you interview Britney Spears or, or someone who has no idea about productions or, or, or chord progressions or anything like that but they dance and you know what they do is amazing and I I was frustrated for about a year when I'd interview these pop stars that had huge success um, and I was always but I'm better than you I can sing better I know more <laughs> about music and then it took a while for me to kind of remove my ego to go hang on what I do is very different and, and I can't do what they do I, 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 I wouldn't be able to do what they do it's, it's a completely different skill set um, and then when, once that once that ego kind of once I got rid of that, then I could really um, then I remember I, my interviews got better, and I, I remember actually talking to Alicia Keys. And when, when, when you'd interview like a like a, a big superstar, you'd get say twenty minutes. Like they have, they arrive in the country, they they do a day of promo um, where they might do twenty interviews back to back. You know, they get twenty minutes with someone. Like the record company will book out a hotel. Or book out a floor of a hotel. Each press will will get rotated through, say, six or seven hotel rooms, and you get ten minutes to set up. You go in there, you set the lights up, set the cameras up. The star comes in for 15, 20 minutes, and then the publicist goes right. And where are you? Are wherever you are in the interview, you got to go on to the next one. And so they, you know, they do publicity for a day. Then they might play a show or two, and then they, you know, fly to the next town and do the same thing. So we'd only get like twenty minutes, and so you had to be really, you know, on your game. And whether it be an interview or we might do like a co-host kind of episode where we shoot a sort of show with them and do like six or seven links throughout the show. Um, but Alicia Keys, we started talking about Horace Silver and Bill Evans and these old jazz pianists, and. Um, 
and we really got into some beautiful, juicy stuff. And and the publisher was like, right, Alicia, we've got to go. And she was like, no, 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 I'm staying here. I want to chat to this guy. And we just started <laughs> jamming. We had this really beautiful, long conversation about history and interesting p- progressions and R&B. And, I love and, her. I just love her. She's oh, such man, a talented she, person. Isn't she? What a talent. Just a great, yeah. She, and it was interesting, it's interesting to sort of see her come out of her shell too because I think she, she went to like a conservatorium and she, was, she sort of seemed like a good kind of shy girl when she, when she first hit the scene and then exploded and just became what she is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here. How long did that show last for you? Uh, about three years, three, three and a half years maybe. I was just negotiating my next contract and I kind of got to a spot. What, what the point was about that Alicia Keys interview was when I would have what, to me, interesting musical conversations with people, none of that was going to air because yeah. the mm-hmm. type of show would be talk about your record, talk about your tour, you know, quite surface yeah. kind of stuff, and then it was sell. And, and and exactly sell. And I wanted to try and quote unquote educate the audience or, or give them an insight into these artists' kind of production or their influences and and kind of get a bit deeper. And I was kind of getting a little bit shitty because I wanted to take the show there. And I thought, hey, if all these young kids are watching it, why can't we educate people a little bit more rather than sell, sell, sell? Um, and just the format of the show. And, again, my ego was probably getting in the road. Um, uh, and I was kind of getting a little bit shitty with it. So I was actually in, in talks with Coca-Cola and Telstra to set my own show up, which was going to be called Axel's Garage. And we'd, we'd, we were going to get bands to come in and play, like the Jules Holland thing. You know, you sit down and play and you yeah. have a conversation. Oh. And then I was at the Arias one night. Um uh, and I'd had a few and I thought I'd show off and um, decided to expose myself on stage. <laughs> and uh, and oh. then the next day I had no job. <laughs> yeah. So I think most, most of the listeners, I think most of the listeners will know that story, but they right. may not know the next part of the story, which, which uh, I, Katie pointed to me and I didn't know this next part of the story. Okay, no, I'll just start it by saying I've got my own acid story, which I'll tell after you tell yours. <laughs> you okay, we're going there. Okay, so I'd had uh, I hadn't had any acid at that stage, but I got off the stage and I thought, hey, this is this is a blast. I mean, I was always the guy that would get drunk and take your clothes off and run around nude or light your pubes on fire or you know just do stupid shit. <laughs> and obviously, in the corporate world, it doesn't go down so well. So, not, not so much. No. Not so, much. <laughs> so the night had finished and then we went to a couple of after parties and um, I was kind of on the nose by the Channel 10 people, so I avoided the Channel 10 party. And, um, <laughs> no, just, because you'd, just because you'd exposed yourself on national television. Exactly, exactly. And, and it, it, was, you know, it didn't actually go to air either because there's a 10-second delay, so they unfortunately chopped out some of my finest work. But... Um, <laughs> Um, I was hanging out with uh, with uh, with a hip hop group, um, an Australian hip hop group, and it's not the Hilltop Hoods, um, but one of their one of their girlfriends had some had some acid, and I thought, oh, it's been a little while. So I think it was like it wasn't paper acid; it was liquid acid. So I, I sort of I had a drop, and I was like, hey, I'm a pro at this, and so I think I double or like triple dipped, and oh, no. uh, 
And then, then the wheels started to fall off. We were at some after party and then the wheels started to fall off. It was just getting way too strong and the bloody walls were melting and I couldn't hold conversations. So we went back to their house um, in Sydney somewhere and, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And we were watching like some, some street fights on, on the TV and listening to really heavy hip hop and I didn't know these people well and I think I had some more acid when I was smoking bongs and it was just getting really, really bad. So I managed to get myself home. I remember laying in bed and and the walls were just turning purple and kind of just caving in on me. And I was like, shit, maybe if I jump off the roof, that'll stop everything. And I was like, hang on, what are you talking about, dude? You're going crazy. And then and then I, I, I yeah, I I've done they had a good run with hallucinogenic so i knew how to kind of handle myself and then the phone starts calling at eight in the morning and it was the publicist going uh you're in a whole lot of trouble where are you i was like i am in an absolute state i'm curled up in my bed let's talk tomorrow and she goes no 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 no, no. the head of channel 10 is about to call you and you're going to have to come in and explain yourself i was like Fucking oh no shit. Oh, absolutely not terrifying Oh, and then anyway, the the boss at Channel Ten. Are the, the walls the, still oh, melting at this point? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I just the the wheels were falling off, and I, then the panic sets in. I couldn't kind of control. Yeah. And then the boss calls me. and He goes, "Where are you?" And I said, "I'm in the car with my family, driving to Wollongong for a family reunion. I'm no <laughs> nowhere close." He goes, "I don't care where you are. You turn that car around and you drive straight back to the studio. You come into the office now." I was like, please, no, no, you don't. He goes, I, no excuses. You get your ass here now. I was like, oh, my God, this could not be any worse. <laughs> and so I have a shower and then I, I, I kind of have a coffee and then sort of start walking to Channel 10. I'm walking through the fish markets and everyone's just like loud voices are coming out and it's just getting worse and worse. Walk through Channel 10, see Sandra Sully on the news desk, wave to her, walk, walk past the makeup people and just – and my legs are 10 feet long and then sit down in this guy's <laughs> office and I look at him and then purple smoke just starts wafting out of his ears. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, Axel, you know what you've done. I was like, yeah. And he goes, do you want to watch the tape? And I said, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. And he goes, listen, all the sponsors are pulling out of the show. We need to fire you right now. We need to take you to HR. We're going to write a contract. We're going to say that, that you know, you left on your, off your own bat. And, and I was like, hey, hey, just, just please, just give me 24 hours. You, I'm not very well. Uh, please just give me 24 hours. Like, no, we're going to HR now. And I begged and begged and pleaded with him. And he goes, right, you, you're going to be fired, but I'll give you 24 hours. And so I just ran out of Channel 10, went to Maruba Beach and sat there and just played with sand and looked at the sky for about six hours and tried to come down before I made my next move. And that was my acid story. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it was that, that is a bad trip, man. It was a bad trip. Oh my god! Uh, that is uh, that that what a shocking experience! Wow. <laughs> it was terrible. I didn't think I was going to be in a whole lot of trouble. Like the EP of the Arias, she really ticked me off at the time, and um, it was a rock show. She tipped like, you off. No, she no, tipped, she tipped you off. off. Yeah, no, she she ticked me off. As in, like you're a bad boy. How dare you do that right. on my show? <laughs> right. um, and I thought, I thought, hey, you know, whatever. Like it's it's fucking, you know, it's it's a rock show. Like it's, I haven't done anything bad. And then the shitstorm started, and I just couldn't. I, I got like a 
a lawyer, you know, like a, a, a crisis lawyer on board and all this sort of stuff. And Really? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I broke What I was, was his uh, advice? His or uh, her advice? What her, was, their, her, was their advice? Her advice was, well, the, that, that week I had flown to six different states and done functions and hosted shows. I'd played, I'd had this insane week beforehand. I'd played two gigs. I had a family reunion. I'd been to six states. Um, I, I, we'd done a video hits live, which was like a 5 a.m. start that morning. Uh, we'd shot that during the day. Then we had rehearsals for the arias. And I was literally living, uh, like, like the living off, off, you know, I was catnapping where I could. I was just absolutely exhausted. And I'd, um, I'd broken up with my girlfriend at the time. I'd been, you know, drinking and causing a bit of trouble and trying to drown my sorrows. And um, I just thought it was funny in the moment. Like I've got this kind of impulsive streak in me and I don't think I get this rush of adrenaline. I've done it all through my life. I always get myself into trouble. And this kind of rush of adrenaline takes over and there's no stopping me. And uh, that was one of those moments. I just Because I turned to Jabba, the other guy who was hosting, I said, what do you reckon if I flashed a moon on stage? He was like, no, 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 dude, don't do that. I was like, okay. Okay, well, I'll fuck it up you then. And then um, <laughs> You're like, I'm yeah, going to do it like, anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll, do, I'll do the wristwatch and then the little drummer boy on stage and see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you, so you, were, you, were, you would have been, um, uh, let's say, okay. uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have been in demand after that. So the fact that you turned it around, was that why you left and went to LA? Would that would that have been the reason? No, no. I um, then I I, it, I learned an interesting thing that day because the next day afterwards, I'd been working with a bunch of record com- like the way video hits work. We had great relationships with other production companies, with ticketing people, with record companies, with um, touring companies. Like you, you become part of that scene. And yeah. I started to call a few people about a week later for a bit of, you know, for a couple of references and, and just to reach out. Not one person picked the phone up. And I was like, what the? Oh, f- no. I was like, ah, oh, this is how it works. So when you're yeah. working and everyone's kind of, you know, you're making money for people and you're in, then. It's all party, you, party. Oh, absolutely. And then mm-hmm. when, when, you, when, you're, when you're not the man, it was interesting. I was like, holy shit. So I kind of I fell into a bit of a slump, and then um, <clears throat> it was it was a it was a blessing in disguise because I got back to um, got back to playing music. You know, I, I I was playing a few gigs when I was doing video hits, but uh, I got back to jazz, and then started and then started writing music for the first time. I'd never written tunes; I'd always rearranged songs and and played other people's tunes. Um, but yeah, started writing and. Um, uh, the, Who's were those songs? Who wrote the songs that you that you put out as as, as records? That you, didn't you have a hit? I seem to remember you having a yeah, hit. Yeah, I um I I wrote them with uh with another. He did. They were good songs. Record. Yeah, it was a good pop record. Uh, I don't do surprises. That was the um. That's it. That that's was, it. No, that was yeah. really good. I really liked that one. That was great, and it was um I'd never really done the pop thing, so this was this was new to me because it was it was um taking my kind of musical knowledge with a pop producer and we got on really, really well and we, and we made a bunch of great songs. And, um, uh, and then. Did that come out after this? Was this, was this after? This this was about 18 months later after the Mm, Aria. Oh, wow. And and I think it was up for an Aria actually, because it was, it went gold and and I got asked to come back and, and host an award. And I was like, Oh, look at this. Now the (laughs) part has changed. 
And of course, everyone's like, "Oh, wow! Welcome back! Congratulations!" And so that was. And great. you kept it in. You kept it in its pants. That I, particular. I walked out of there and I went, oh, and pretended to mind. No, 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 I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just the pot. Um, and uh, well, Louis, you and Louis C.K., you know. Well, I didn't bat off, you know, I didn't bat off in front of, well, no. I didn't no, you didn't. No, 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 true, true. You didn't do that. Fair no. call, fair call. No, there's, no, there's no relationship to Louis C.K. None. Yeah, don't stop making that association. Imagine if I did it these days. Like this, like, holy, I could be behind bars, you know. It yeah, would, absolutely. Uh, well, aren't we, aren't we, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely right. No, it, it it wasn't it wasn't astonishingly. Uh, I, I I don't know I don't know how to how to even put words to it. it was an astonishing way to um, torpedo yourself. In, mm. And 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 do you think it comes from um, your brain's dyslexia or or something where where you where you where you act on impulse and 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 don't and don't have a filter. Yeah, I've um, I've spoken to a professional about this. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I need to go and speak a bit more with it to him with, about it. It's impulse control. I mean, I've I've had uh, I was always the naughty kid at school, and I was talking to my mum, and she was bringing up a point where during a school play, I started acting out and doing something stupid that got a whole lot of attention. And I mean, I was you know getting suspended and expelled at school and. Um, and just, I think I just enjoyed causing trouble and having a laugh and, um, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've had, you know, a bit of addiction throughout my life. Um, I've just got this kind of, I, I, I've, I'm keeping it certainly, I've got it under control a lot more now. Um, mm. and when I do things like I love, I ride bikes for Ducati, I'm a Ducati ambassador and, um, I like thrill seeking. That really turns me on, you know. Um, but but yeah. for, for me, I have to be near nature too. Like that's why I've moved out to the country. Um, when I'm near nature, I'm I'm safe. I don't need to pull the trigger and and do crazy things. Um, I just can get that energy out and uh, and connect with animals. But yeah, I've always had this kind of ooh, what's around the corner? Ooh, what's going to happen here? Throw a little bit more fuel on the fire, just because I, I don't know. Mm. I find I find it. I like taking risks. Yeah. Um, what what really I got a thrill out of was was seeing uh, your story with with the sh- going to America and 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 pulling all that together. I mean, that's no small achievement. What you did. Yeah, thanks, yeah. man. I um I after after I, I put that record out and um uh, did yeah played around the country a bit. Um, I did want to start acting. I'd always done a I did a little bit of stage stuff at school and um and did some extra work and a few one liners in like Secret Life of Us and Ned Kelly that Heath Ledger film and did some stunt horse riding and um, had done a few little bits and pieces and I wanted to. Um, see if I could really get my chops up and 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 do something with it. So I started to have some classes with a great guy in Sydney called Bobby Noble. Um, he was a real character. He'd spent time in jail and and trained some. I think he did some work with Russell Crowe when he was young, and and just a it was a ex boxer and a really a really interesting character, and had had a really unique uh, style of of training. It was more more sort of not so much kind of 
traditional sort of theory and script work. This was really about getting your body to a state where it is so responsive to stimulation where a little bit of light or a little a color or a, or a bird you know making some noise or 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 a smell of of the oven it, it would you you get your your senses so heightened that they could kind of make you laugh or cry or you'd sort of follow your senses and kind of do these breathing exercises and get yourself to this state where you're you're so alive and that was kind of it was it was a it was a it was a great place for me to start to to understand how to use my body and how to kind of tap into something um Later down the road, it, 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 I, I would have loved, and I, I did learn how to analyze a script and break that down and all that sort of stuff. And I really needed to, uh, I needed to, you know, everyone needs to learn that. And, and I hadn't learned that. Um, but that, that was my sort of start into acting through Bobby Noble. And I got an audition for Home and Away and it was, um, the character was an ex-rock star who had disgraced himself publicly, who ended up in rehab. <laughs> And <laughs> it was a stretch. It was a big stretch. It was a massive stretch. I mean, <laughs> big stretch. And uh, so, yeah, got the job. And um, and they gave me 15 episodes and then they offered me a, a three-year contract. And I awesome. kind of thought, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot going on right now. Why, why, not, why not do this home and away thing? So that was that was great. That was such a good place to, to learn. Um, I'm sure you've heard the story. I mean, just how fast they work. I mean, you know, you're shooting, yeah. um, you're shooting five episodes from location and studio over a two week period. Um, and I mean, as you know, in the states, you know, you might spend two, maybe three weeks on one app. Yeah. Um, so you are you are going at an incredible rate. Um, when because of the scripts and and you have to move so quickly, it can create bad habits as an actor too. Because um, if you don't uh, if you don't kind of do the work or whatever else, you just turn up and say the lines. They can cut around you and go to wide shots and and that sort of stuff. And also with the scripts, it's very exposition. Um, it's, um, I always fuck this word up. It's like very that's the word. I think that's the right ex- expositional. Word. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where where the type of dialogue for a show like that is is written in a way so a viewer can come into the show any time of the week and understand mm-hmm. what's happening in the story at the time. So that's why the scripts will be like, hey, I'm just going down to the shop to buy a cup of coffee to meet this guy. And then you get down the shop mm-hmm. and, hey, I've just been hanging out with this guy. I'm about to go. And so everything is set in the dialogue. So that can kind of, um, as a young actor, when you're learning, when you're using that dialogue, you want to do more with it, but then you start to push and you start, that's why you see that soapy acting is like, no, I want you to stay because I'm sad and I'm this, that and the other. And you start pushing this kind of, type of dialogue that is that that says everything whereas you know what's interesting with dialogue is you play the opposite like to what is being said when the when the stage direction says he's really sad and he cries Mm. laugh or or get angry do something different because in life we don't go i'm so sad yeah like when you when you when you're really sad and you're a man's crying or is about to cry you're holding back the tears you're trying to deflect you might use humor you might use a bit of anger whatever else. So play against those things. And it took me a while to kind of get out of those bad habits to, um, to, yeah, to, to, to find more sort of range. That, and work you feel like that script. on the young doctors too? Yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah. yeah. Except, except, that, except <laughs> that I didn't, I, I didn't have the wisdom to, uh, to push seek, and seek uh, no, no, to seek, 
to, to be as, as focused about it as you are. And certainly I wasn't able to uh, achieve what you did in, um, in Los Angeles. To go to Los Angeles, A, to get there, to be let in, let in, let in the door, Mm. to get the right to do it. I don't know how you managed to do that. And then to audition and get the gig. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, That's um, a series of hoops. Yeah, it is, it is a series of hoops. And um, uh, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's nice to hear that because, um, you know, we, with this industry, you're just going from gig to gig to gig and you really kind of sit back and go, hey, I've actually, you know, I've done some cool stuff um, because it's, it's a livelihood too. You've got to keep yourself, you know, fed and, and the bills paid. Um, but after I left home and away, I had a great agent at the time and um, her and I went over to L.A. and took a bunch of meetings um, and she managed to get me in the door with UTA, William Morris, Gersh, um, CAA, um, you know, the top five. Was that um, exciting or was it daunting at all? Oh, so daunting. I mean, I was yeah. kind of, you know, you've got like that, you've, you've got to walk into these big boardrooms. You've got anywhere between three to 10 people in the room. And, you know, you've, you've got to sell yourself. This is who I am. This is what I want to be. This is who I want to work with. This is the type of movies, the type of roles I see myself. And just yeah. kind of own the room and do your audition for them. And but everybody uh, loves an Aussie. So I feel like it's, it's easier to start with because you're already like, it, right? it, it, it definitely, and and a little bit of larrikin and a little bit of fuck you under the belt. They they like that, you know. Um, and uh, and I managed to yeah. I, after all those meetings, I got in a good position. I could choose between um, William Morris and UTA, and went with UTA. Um, uh, and then uh, Louise Ward at the time, my agent, who was one of the big wigs at the company, she goes, "You you need a manager." Let me mm. and I, I was about to go and meet her husband, Will Ward, and Will Ward is uh, known for he's one of his first big clients was Julian McMahon, the Aussie actor, and then he got the Hemsworth Boys started, um, oh. and he's also had he's Zach Brown, the country artist, uh, he's Dwight Yoakam, um, Grateful Dead. He's he's a he's a heavyweight. And Dwight's actor. done some Dwight's done some acting too. Yeah, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, so I went and met Will and, and yeah, I had a husband and wife team. I had Will Ward from Raw, who was my manager and Louise Ward, uh, when they were married, um, at UTA. So, so yeah, then the door started opening. So then I, I, I moved there six months later in 2013, maybe 14, 13, 14. Um, yeah. And started pilot season and started going, started auditioning, hitting the, um, hitting the boards and it's, it's it's a it's a it's a sweat, LA. It's it's um it's I mean during pilot season when you've got a good agent and a good manager, you might be getting anywhere between three to six auditions a week, you know. Um and and a lot of people in LA don't uh unfortunately don't have a good manager or a good agent. And half of the struggle is to get the auditions, you know, not a yeah. lot of people even get in the door. And I didn't realize at the time just how lucky I was to have such great representation and I was getting all these auditions. I was kind of like, Jesus, can the auditions just slow up? Like I can't keep up. Because you, <laughs> you know, awesome. there'd be eight pages, eight pages a day. And you, you're allowed to hold the script in the audition over there too, whereas in Australia you're kind of expected to have it off book. But, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, just a lot of material, you know. You just uh, – but, but – 
I was kind of, I kind of burnt myself out the first pilot season because I was trying to get everything off book and trying to really nail the character for every audition. It was just smashing me. Whereas the first audition, they just want to get a look at you. You can kind of read the script. You can jam with them, make a few choices, but don't have to have it completely nailed. Um, But yeah, I I stayed there for sort of six years and. To get shameless was it wasn't was it the first pilot season no i think it was the second year i was there i I, the first year i i tested for a bunch of stuff so that means that you've done you know the first audition the callback the directors and the producers meeting and it's usually about the fourth or fifth audition where um where you know it's between you and two two or three other guys stressful man what a stress (laughs) tell me about it and and the worst thing is they negotiate your contract before you do what's called the studio test, the last audition. So you can't get the gig and then negotiate. So you negotiate the contract before you do the audition. So you know what money you're going to get paid. And, I mean, compared to Australian money, it's off the charts. I was like, holy shit, I'm a no-name in America and they're going to pay me this? Um, and so that's, you know, and, and you're running out of money, so you really need the gig. And yeah, you go in there and, and there's cameras and lights and the theatre's filled with all, all the people from the studio and it's so daunting. It's just brutal. Um, but it was good because I was getting down to that stage a lot the first year. Um, and then, yeah, then the next year I got Shameless and got sort of half a season on that, which was amazing. And um, Tell us about that. Tell us about that. We want to hear about that. Yeah, well, I think I had um, – I'd put down a I'd gone into Warner Brothers for an audition and they said you need to you need to play a tune he's got to be again this this sort of rock guy I was like okay cool I always get cast as the naughty guy or the rock guy for some reason (laughs) um uh and I I, uh one of my favorite um Led Zeppelin tunes is Ramble On so I uh I learned Ramble On the guitar and took it in there and 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 did the scene and you know act, did, did what I had to do and then I played this tune and, and they loved it and they said can you play some more so I sat there and played a couple of tunes for them and hung out and then didn't hear anything for a while and uh, I don't know if if uh, if they were casting way out or their shooting schedule changed or what it was but then I came back to Australia um, for something I think I was doing a a gig for a gambling company William Hill or something so I was coming back shooting for that um and they said hey the phone call and I said can you put down another tape they're really interested in you for this for this role so I put down another tape and then flew back a day later did the did the studio test for them and yeah got got the gig and then got to the table read and there was William H Macy and Emmy Rossum and I was just like, holy shit balls. And I was watching around the table read. So that every episode, the whole cast and the sort of the immediate crew all meet and you read through the script um, just as it is. And they're all comfortable because they know each other and they've yeah. worked to, together for years. What season, and you're an how out, many you're, seasons in was it? Was it season three? Uh, or four, I think. Okay. I think it was four, yeah. Um, and yeah, exactly. Everyone knows each other and I'm kind of sitting, you know, there's usually a couple of guests that are, that are, you know, they get sort of posted together. And I was, I, uh, with a good show, there's, there's a sense of family and community. It's like being in a good band, you know, like you all sort of become brothers and sisters and everyone's got each other's back and you're working together. And there's this camaraderie that is like nothing else. And especially with the crew as well. That's what I first learned on Home and Away 
was that sense of community on a set. There is nothing like it. And it's, I mean, it's like being part of a winning footy team or, or, a, or yeah. a, I don't know, a, a crew that goes out and, I don't know, an army crew. Or, I'm just trying to, for people that haven't experienced it, it's, it's that kind of feeling. Um, it's a really, really tight bond. And I, and I felt that on Shameless. But I remember watching um, William H. Macy come into the room and he would just observe everything. Like, it, like he'd look at stuff like he was seeing it for the first time and just kind of really gazing and looking into things. And I was like, why is he high or why is he so interested in everything? And I think he just takes in so much information. And I was just kind of sitting at the table, not trying to stare, but just watching him. And he was, yeah, he's, he's, he's a very unusual character and he, he really sticks to himself. Talk about saving it for, for the red light, you know, like yeah. he'll, he'll stand off, he won't engage with the crew so much or anyone, and then when it's time to come on, he is on. And I, I was on set. I never got to work with him in a scene, but I saw him work, and I got to work with Emmy Rossum, and um, she was wonderful, really generous, um, just a professional. And, and to see, like, um, I mean, my first day was on, uh, on the Warner Brothers set uh, on the lot, and it was um, yeah, McDermott. What's his name? Dylan McDermott, I think his name is. He was on with me. And, you know, we were using one of the sort of cafes um, in, in one of the sort of famous streets on the Warner Brothers lot. And, you know, you look over there and that was the Batman Bridge and they did Die Hard here and there was this, that and the everywhere. In Burbank. In Burbank, yeah. And it was, I'll tell you what was one of the, one of the trippiest things. I've been auditioning for about a year and a half at this stage. And when you arrive to a movie studio like Sony or Warner Brothers or, um, or Universal or whatever, um, every time you audition, you have to park outside the lot. And the lot means, you know, it's a massive block with gates around and, and that's where the offices and studios are. But when you're auditioning for something, you park outside the lot, you park your car, you walk across the road, you walk through security, and then you get pointed with a map where to go for the audition. Mm. This time when I got the gig, I, I actually got to drive up to Warner Brothers, the big golden gates, the golden gates open. I said hello to the security <laughs> guard and they said, Mr. Whitehead, there's a park over there. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> the the that's nice. uh, that was great. It was cool. That was what great. a wonderful experience. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a brilliant experience, man. Oh. It was great. And then I jumped out of the car and then Kevin Costner just pops out of a studio. I'm like, oh, shit, a brick. I'm, I'm working. I'm working. So uh, yeah. it was great. That was, that was a, real, a real buzz. And so it was my first gig in LA. That's Fantastic, amazing. man. I love that story. <laughs> I love that story. I, I know every – I'm writing every emotion of that, man. I'm writing every emotion of that. It's just a beautiful <laughs> thing. Thanks for listening to Our Idol Archives. This has been an AMH production produced by Katie Holden and edited by Katie Holden and Nick Wingate. This podcast is not sponsored, approved, or affiliated with Fremantle Media. This is Axel's latest track, One Gun, co-written with Carl Dimitaga. Trying to find a life 